1: you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. I'm Emily Tampkin, Senior Editor, U.S. in Washington, D.C.
0: I'm Megan Gibson, Executive Editor, Foreign, in London.
1: It's Thursday, the 14th of April. You're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. Then, later in the week, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs.
0: This week, Finland and Sweden edge ever closer to joining NATO.
1: I have had uh, close contact with uh, the political leadership both in uh, Sweden and and Finland uh, over the last months and also the last uh, weeks. And I have conveyed the, the message that it's for them to decide, of course. But if they uh, apply, uh, I expect that 30 allies will welcome them. And French far right candidate and historic Putin supporter Marine Le Pen made it to the second round of the French elections.
0: The French people have spoken. And it is with great honour that I will take to the second round and stand up against President Macron.
1: What do this week's developments mean for the alliance? Thank you for joining us. Let's begin. All right. Well, let us start with Finland and Sweden. Megan, in case listeners have not been following the story, what is the latest?
0: So yesterday on Wednesday, Finland's Prime Minister Sanna Marin went to Stockholm and had a joint press conference with Sweden's Prime Minister, Magdalena Andersson, where they both... While still being a bit coy and not officially confirming anything outright, both very much strongly indicated that the two countries were on the verge of applying for NATO membership. So historically, both of these two Nordic countries have been, well, not just not NATO members, but they've been neutral, non-aligned countries. Public opinion in both of these countries has obviously changed in the weeks since Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the war that's taken place there. Both countries' leaders, while maybe eight, nine weeks ago, said that their countries were not planning to join NATO, they've now definitely changed their tune. There was a report yesterday from a Swedish newspaper that said Sweden's prime minister's party the Social Democrats, which has long been considered the party that's, you know, kind of the hurdle, the main hurdle to Sweden joining NATO, that they had all but decided that they were definitely going to go ahead and apply for membership. And, you know, the noises we're hearing out of Helsinki are are much, much more straightforward. The majority of parliamentarians are in favour. There was a recent poll that said 68% of voters were in favour of joining NATO. Obviously, Finland has a huge, huge land border with Russia, so that their security is increasingly an interest at the moment. So it now definitely seems that it's a matter of when, not if, these two countries join the alliance. Two
1: things. First, I just want to stress, when Megan says, and when when we refer to Finland and Sweden as being neutral, I know this is somewhat sensitive in these countries, because they'll say like, well, we're not neutral. We're, we're Western. Yes, I understand. However, what we mean is that they have not been part of the military alliance to date and that that is changing. So, Exactly. That, With that noted. Megan, can you give us a sense of, of just what a big deal this announcement of an announcement or, or suggestion of an announcement is? Before the war, people were saying, well, why can't Ukraine follow the Finnish model? And now Finland is itself suggesting that it will be joining NATO.
0: I mean, yeah, it's huge. In Finland, which has always, since the beginning of the Cold War, has remained neutral and officially struck up a bargain with the Soviet Union and actually put it in, in a treaty saying that Finland would remain neutral and not seek to join NATO. And in return for this, the Soviet Union would not invade Finland. And so this has crystallized in this idea of Finlandization, which means that that Finland is, is neutral. There's actually... That term is viewed quite negatively within Finland because it, the connotations of Finland not actually being its its own sovereign state and having its own control over its choice and whether it can join NATO or not. And obviously, today's landscape is very, very different than how Finland views its own strategy and its own foreign policy and its defense policy is very, very different which, you know, we can clearly see all the noises seeing out of Helsinki. And every statement that Sanamarin has given in in recent weeks has been very, very positive towards NATO and very suggestive that they are on the verge of, of joining.
1: So you said toward the top that it's somewhat more complicated in Sweden or less straightforward. What are some of the differences?
0: Well, so Sweden's ruling party, the Social Democrats, has long been seen as the hurdle to joining joining NATO. Historically, they have been very much opposed to it. They weren't alone in this, but in recent weeks, many opposition parties have very noisily changed their, their position and very publicly come out in sport of joining NATO. Two of the most notable of those are the moderate party, and the Sweden Democrats, who are the biggest opposition parties and probably give the the biggest fight in upcoming elections in September. That's why it's not quite as straightforward, because for Sweden, this isn't just a foreign policy decision. This isn't just a security decision. This is also for Magdalena Anderson. it's also a political decision because of the elections. And I think the timing that we're seeing right now with the suggestion that you know we're week, they're weeks away from Sweden applying to join NATO is really indicative of how much they just want to get this over and done with ahead of the election, because they really do not want NATO membership joining, not joining, to feature at all in, in the election campaigns
1: there have been so many own goals scored by vladimir putin against russia through this disastrous war and i mean in addition to i don't i don't want to make light i don't want to come off as of sounding as though i'm making light of the the true tragedies that are coming out of ukraine the real suffering that is being experienced there but in addition to that i mean this is it just seems so counterproductive self-destructive whatever term you want to use for putin's russia and that you had these two countries close to russia that we're not talking about joining the alliance and the the thing that the thing that got them to do it was not it wasn't Washington wasn't Berlin
0: wasn't Paris it was Moscow yeah exactly and it's it is actually kind of staggering just how quickly the conversation has changed i mean sweden's historical opposition to joining nato rested on two assumptions one being They didn't need to join NATO because they had nothing to worry about. Russia would not invade them. They weren't a threat. And two, the assumption that if that did happen, they had enough allies, they had enough support and friends in the West that they would not be left alone. And this war has really challenged both of those assumptions. So now Sweden or Finland don't want to be in the position where Russia will invade and no one will come to their help.
1: One other thing I wanted to say on this is that it was back toward the beginning of the war several weeks ago. Russia threatened Finland, threatened Sweden. And and I guess what has been interesting to me is that even though they've invaded another country, it's not that they don't take the threat seriously. It's that they take them so seriously that rather than saying, oh, okay, fine, we won't join the alliance, they are probably going to do just that.
0: Yes, exactly. They don't see the threats coming from Russia about them joining. (laughs) It's like, a bear saying come closer and i won't eat you and it's just they they don't they don't believe the bear they have no reason to trust the bear seeing that they've just witnessed the bear demolish right one of their friends so i think understandably and there's quite a logic to this that the view that the only way they can ensure their security and potentially even their survival is by joining nato
1: the actual last point I'll make on this is that one can imagine Ukrainian frustrations, right? That that Ukraine had wanted to join NATO, was not allowed to join NATO. And now because it was invaded, other countries are, are probably going to be allowed to do just that.
0: And Stoltenberg, uh, Jens Stoltenberg, the general secretary of NATO, has said um, just last week, he said that he imagines all the member states will readily welcome Finland and Sweden, which I mean, it's it's understandable why he'd say that, and indeed, you do you do hope that would be the case. Some people have suggested that there possibly could be one or two member states that could could throw a little spanner in the works there. But him saying that surely must feel like a bit of a slap in the face in Kyiv as the war continues.
1: Another figure, switching gears slightly, who could throw a wrench into all of this is Marine Le Pen. Listeners, if you have not listened to France Elect, which is Ido's pop-up podcast, pop-up pod, if you will, on the French election, we encourage you to do that. This is all discussed in much greater detail there if you were interested. But basically, they had the first round of their elections. Le Pen got something like 23% of the vote. French President Emmanuel Macron got something more like 27, 28% of the vote. So they will be going to the next round later this month. Le Pen is an interesting Figure for many reasons, one of which is that she, as I said at the top of this episode, is a longtime Putin supporter, admirer. There was a clip that maybe you've seen going around on social media of her saying, basically saying that Russia wasn't aggressive toward its neighbors. This was in 2017. So after the war in Georgia, after the annexation of Crimea, after all the fighting in eastern Ukraine, not 2007, right? This is 2017. After multiple acts of aggression between Russia and its neighbors. So I think some are rightly worried about what her, if she were to win in the second round and become the new president of France, what that would mean for French support of NATO. I have my own thoughts on this, but Megan, I want to hear from you first.
0: Well, I think it's hard to overstate the level of worry that would be being felt in, in Brussels, not just in in NATO, but within the quarters of power for the EU, because Le Pen, while this campaign, and let's let's remind everyone, this is her third run for for president. She's tried to present a much more moderate face for her party. She's toned down quite a few of her previous policies, particularly around the EU. She said she wouldn't pull France out of the EU. But if you scratch the surface of this new campaign face there are a lot of the same views. And she has said that if she wins, which there is a significant chance that she could win. And she said that if she does, she will pull France out of not NATO, but NATO's integrated military command structure, which means NATO wouldn't be able to use French troops or resources or material in its its missions, which would, you know, significantly reduce the the resources that NATO had available to them. So even if she would not pull France out of these structures, she does have a stated plan to significantly kneecap them.
1: I was thinking about this with respect to the EU, but it's it's true of NATO too. In some ways, remaining in and corroding the institution from the inside can be more damaging, right? And can be more destructive potentially than withdrawing. I, I was thinking about this with Trump, Right, who who didn't pull the United States out of the alliance, but I think was an extremely damaging force for transatlantic solidarity, for confidence in NATO, for member states' own certainty and their own security. Just think of how upset people got when Macron said things like, "Oh, NATO is brain dead." And I understand that some say, "Well, that was taken out of context," or, or so on and so forth. But even with a French president who said, well, we need to bolster European security. That had an impact in the alliance. Should she ascend to the presidency, even if she changed no policy, right? It would, I think, undermine the alliance's belief in itself to remain united um, and to to hold together in the face of a, a very real threat, particularly to its Eastern members
0: i think that is exactly right because even even if she did not change as you said a single official policy if member states don't have the confidence in each of the other members then that really drains the power out of nato's article 5 which is you know the backbone of the security if one country faces an attack and calls on all the other countries to come to their defense, that's what NATO is there for. That's that's what gives it, you know, kind of the the meat to its power. And if we have countries near Russia's sphere of influence or, or near Russia's potential target zone, who doubt that France would actually step up and acknowledge and honor its commitment to Article 5, then the whole thing kind of starts to crumble. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print, or both from as little as one pound a week. That's 12 weeks for just 12 pounds.
1: That's one euro a week in Europe and just two dollars a week in America.
0: Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer.
1: From The New Statesman comes a new podcast. Audio long reads. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. Songs are like tattoos, Mitchell said on Blue. Having one written about you is immortality and fiction rolled into one. Featuring writing from our authors, including Kate Mossman on Joni Mitchell's former muse and lover, Jeremy Cliff on his journey through France before this year's presidential election, and Sophie McBain on the refugee crisis.
0: Don't die, he kept shouting. He didn't answer when Marwa screamed back, Who is dying?
1: Ease into the weekend with our Audio Long Reads, published every Saturday morning. Just search Audio Long Reads wherever you get your podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. On that foreboding French note, we are going to turn now to a segment that we like to call You Ask Us. Nailed it. Okay. This question comes to us via Twitter, and it is Finland has, I believe, a quite open road border linking to St. Petersburg. So, what would be the impact if that border became a NATO defense against invasion
0: by a hostile Russia? So, it's questions like this that really bring to light the idea that members are going to have to think long and hard about how. If Finland is part of NATO, how the alliance is going to patrol and police that 830 mile long land border with Russia. I mean, it's a staggering border. I mean, we're already seeing more troops being sent to NATO's eastern flank. Jeremy Cliff has obviously written a really excellent piece on this, and we'll link to that in the show notes. How NATO is kind of fortifying and creating you know, the, a new Iron Curtain. This is going to be dramatically needs to be ramped up if, if Finland is part of the alliance because that is a huge border and that's going to take a lot of manpower and a lot of strategy to, to fortify that border.
1: What I like about this question is that it really gets to what I think is a shift in thinking about the function and the responsibility of the alliance toward its, toward its member states and, and toward sort of peace in Europe. Because, you know, had we had this discussion in January, I think the thinking would have been, well, especially with Finland, it's so close to Russia, it would be so hard to defend from Russia. That is why it should not be in the alliance. Whereas now I think we're seeing a shift, right, to it's so close to Russia, it's so hard to defend from Russia, that's why it needs to be in the alliance. And so practically, this is going to pose huge challenges. I not to brag, but once took a, a Marshutka ride from Petersburg to Helsinki, right? Like it's it's literally a few hours by car. Like it, they're right there. But that is why Finland wants to join in the first place.
0: Exactly. Because while that proximity just shows the element of vulnerability that Helsinki now is feeling, I mean, we've seen, you know, the, the vast scale and the speed with which Russia. Even despite all its military flaws and all its massive strategic blunders, it has just wrought such devastation on Ukraine.
1: Two-thirds, r- reportedly two-thirds of Ukrainian children have been displaced. So even though you know it's one thing to say, oh, they thought they were going to take it in three days and it's been 40-something, and look at how terrible their military is. Sure, but this has just wrought incredible devastation to the people who were trying to just ha- lead normal lives there. So if you're Finland and you're looking at this, Even with all of the differences between Russia's relationship to Ukraine versus Finland and the way in which Putin speaks about Ukrainians versus the Finnish people, you're looking at that road and thinking, not, oh, that's going to be really hard to defend. And therefore, I don't want to join the military alliance, but rather, that's going to be really hard to defend. Please let me in. Yeah. And the real question here, right, is that Biden has said over and over and over again, we will defend every inch of NATO territory. That's the red line. I mean, he hasn't said the word red line because of, Obama promised a red line in Syria and then Russia and Syria stepped over it and so on and so forth. But he's basically, for all intents and purposes, said that the red line is NATO membership, which means that if they were to join and Russia were to attack Finland, you know, then then we're in this very situation that we're trying to avoid in Ukraine. But I, I think what we are going to see is that other NATO member states believe that that's a precautionary measure worth taking.
0: Thanks to all of you who sent in your questions. Listeners, you can send yours in at podcasts at newstatesman.co.uk or by tweeting at us. That's all the
1: time we have for today. Be sure to tune into France Elects. Again, it's Ido's pop-up pod on the French election. And join us next week. Alex is doing an interview with Alia Hercules.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode of World Review, please like, subscribe, rate us, leave a review, and tell your friends.
1: Our producer has been Mae Robson. Thank you for listening and until next time.